0: I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. We're in a series called Christian Foundations, and uh, we're talking about the fact that, of course, as a Christian, we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and He is the Rock on which uh, the foundation on which we are to build our whole life, and uh, Jesus. Described in the in his parable in Matthew seven, that the way we build on the foundation of Christ is by hearing and doing His word. So there are certain teachings that, as we te- as we put them into practice, we are building the house of our life and our character, and. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 talks about certain foundational doctrines because when you build a house, you can't just build it any old way. You don't just start on the roof. You actually have to build from the bottom up. And there are certain foundational doctrines called elementary principles, called the milk of the Word of God, that you have to establish first before you go on to the upstairs rooms and the roof. Uh, If you try and change the order It'll just bring confusion. And so we really want to major in this series on the foundational doctrines. Those things you need to put in place right at the start before you go on to higher revelations. Often there can be a temptation for preachers to go on to more exciting higher revelations, but the people haven't even really received the milk yet and put the milk into practice. And so the milk of the word; these foundational doctrines are described in Hebrews six. He says, he he wants to leave the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. He says, you know, we we should have put that in place by now, and we want to move on to other things. Um, but he then describes what they are. He says, let's go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of number one, repentance from dead works; two, faith toward God; three, doctrine four, baptisms, five, laying on of hands, six, of the resurrection of the dead, and seven, eternal judgment. These are the foundational doctrines that are crucial for our Christian life. And uh, understanding these and implementing them in our life um, is, is the milk of the word. And Then we'll be able to go on to the solid food. Now, we are actually uh, trying to go through all of these in the series, And uh, we're actually still on the first two. Uh, That is repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Because this is actually all about learning to live God's way. Before we lived our own way, trusting in ourselves, living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and just producing dead works, works that have no value to God, even if they impress men. We've got to learn a new way of living, and we've been talking about this, how God has given us a new birth, our spirit is reborn, and the and the spirit of God, the grace of God, flows forth from our spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in our spirit. The love of God flows from our spirit, and we've got to learn to live out from our spirit, and let the grace of God be our base of operation. And we've got to learn to live and trust in God as the source of our life, and we have to repent from this other life of dead works, that of trusting ourselves, and connect. Learn to connect with God. And we talked last time, and we want to continue on those last lines um, this time, because we talked last time about the word metamorphosis, transformation, and we saw in the Scripture that. In Romans chapter 12, for example, it says to be tra- that, that first you offer yourself to God as a living sacrifice, you surrender yourself by faith to God, and then that releases the Holy Spirit then to, be, to transform. You see, as you surrender your soul and your body to God, that allows the Holy Spirit in your spirit to flow out into your soul. And that's what transformation is. It's the life that's in your spirit, flows into your heart and into your soul, illuminating your mind and uh, strengthening your will, uh, filling your heart with his love. And then it says you can now walk in love. You can walk in the will of God in your life. And it happens through the renewing of your mind. So as you read the Word of God, and as you see who you are in Christ, and you see the resources available to you through the Holy Spirit, you, you, your faith grows and you draw upon that life, and you are transformed. And 2 Corinthians 3 talk, describes this transformation as being done by the Spirit of God, transforming us from glory to glory. As we behold in the mirror of the Word, the glory of the Lord that is within us, So that glory starts to transform us on the inside, turning our water into wine. And and now we want to go to the other classic verse on transformation in James chapter 1, verse 21. And it says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. You see, the word of God in us is able to save our soul. This is what we're talking about. Your spirit has been saved in the new birth. Your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. The saving of the soul is an ongoing process as we receive the the life of God into our soul. And so the Word of God is crucial. As we receive the Word, as we believe the Word, so that releases the life of God into our souls to save our souls, to make our souls more like Christ. But he says, for this process to happen... To be completely fulfilled, it says, you must be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And, that, and that's very important that, uh, first of all, we hear and we receive and we re- receive the life of God into our heart. But we also have to do the Word. And so the Word talks about the love of God that's in us and as we, f- we, we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit, filled with that love, but then we must act on that love, we must walk in love, otherwise we short-circuit the process. And it says we must be doers only, also, otherwise we deceive ourselves. Our spiritual growth doesn't happen until we also act on the Word of God. Um, if we're just receiving, 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 but never acting, we actually stop that, the flow of grace in our life. And so we must be doers of the Word. Now. Jesus, uh, this is James' thinking of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7. If you remember, he talks about the two ways of building the house. One, One, the person who built the house properly on the rock, it says, is the one who heard Jesus' teachings and did them. And only the one who heard them and did it actually built his house on the rock. The other one just heard and heard and heard, but never did it. And it says he did not build his house on the rock, but on the sand. In, in, when it came to the actions of his life, he lived out from his own soul, from his own thoughts, his own emotions. He built on sand, even though he might have been a believer. But you have to build on the rock by hearing and doing the Word of God. And so as you, as you come to see who you are in Christ, it's important now that you also do it, that you live it in your life, because without the action, the corresponding action, again, the, the, the God doesn't, isn't able to totally change you and bless you. And so he goes on to explain this, he says in verse 22, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And, he, and he's saying th- there's one kind of man who, and it actually uses the word of, of a male, a, ma- a man, rather than a woman. And, and if it's a man like me, I have a very quick look in the mirror in the day. I don't spend any time, just a quick look, just adjust the hair if necessary, and then I'm off. And this describes a man. And he says, in the same way that we look at our natural face in the mirror, Uh, We can do the same with the Word of God. We just take a quick look at the Word of God. We don't really pay too much attention. We don't meditate on it. And as a result, whatever we read there about ourselves, we forget quickly. And as a result, when we're in the situation, we just act like a natural man. We don't act uh, as, as we ought to. Because we haven't allowed the Word of God to change our thinking. We haven't allowed it to renew our mind. We ha- and so no transformation has happened. And so he goes on to describe the way it should be. But he who looks intently into the perfect law of liberty, he has a really good look at the mirror, and it's the law of liberty. He sees himself free from the curse, free from, from the power of sin. He sees himself full of the love and the life of God. He sees who he is in the spirit. It's a spiritual mirror that shows who you are in the spirit, who you are in Christ. And it says this man is the one who looks and continues in it, continues in the word. He meditates in the word until he sees himself clearly. And then he says he is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. In other words, now he goes into his life, He spent time with God and in his word until he sees clearly who he is according to God's word. He's, he, and he believes it and he doesn't forget it. And now in the situations of life, he puts the word into practice. He's a doer of the word because he's allowed the word to change his self-image, to renew his mind. And then he says, this one will be blessed in his doing. He'll be blessed in his doing. In other words, as he puts the Word into practice, the blessing of God, the power of God, will flow. As he has meditated in the Word, he's become transformed. The life of God has come into his heart. And then as he acts on the Word, as he does the Word, that life is released. The blessing is released. The power of God is released. He's blessed in his doing. And so that's the difference between the two people. One is transformed and blessed, the other one doesn't receive that transformation. And so James describes the importance that we have to not just be hearers, but also doers of the Word of God. And then he goes on in verse 26 to say, three. he actually gives three areas where we must put the Word into practice. And I'm going to major on one of these today. And the first one that we're going to major on that has a particular importance, a particular type of action that is of prime importance. If any one of you thinks he is religious, in other words a good practicing Christian, and does not bridle his tongue, who does not take strong control over his tongue, harness his tongue, as it were, to to the spirit, if he doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is useless. He says, the first thing you've got to get control of is is your tongue. That's the first action. The first corresponding action of faith is what you say with your mouth. And then he talks about the two other areas, which he talks about later in James. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, showing love to the needy, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So that's to keep yourself from the contamination of the world there that's important too and he t- deals with that later in in James 4 but what i want to focus on is the tongue because that is so important and that is actually covered particularly in James chapter James chapter 3 and so that's what we want to go to next is 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 the tongue because god actually we are made in the image of god and god is spirit but how does he release his power as it, at creation, it's by speaking his word. And so the first thing we need to do, the love of God, the life of God, the power of God is in our spirit, but we release that power with our tongue. And if our tongue is speaking wrong things, we, we are blocking the power of God in our life. And we need to repent from the dead works of our wrong speaking and speak according to our faith in God. And that's a major key to our spiritual growth. And so we want to talk about the tongue. Proverbs 18 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. So according to your tongue, you are either releasing life from the spirit or you're releasing death from your flesh. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, and the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. Notice what Jesus is saying here. First of all, you have to get the good treasure in your heart. That's the meditating on the Word of God and receiving the the transforming life of God into your heart. You create good treasure in your heart, but that's just the first stage to fill your heart with good things. But now it says you need to bring forth those good things into your life. And how do you do that? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, you've, you're filled with those good things, but now you must speak them. You need to act them out as well. But the first action is to speak those good things forth. Speak the word of God. Speak in line with the word of God. And he says that by your words you'll be justified and you'll be condemned. So your words are very important. Your words need to line up and you need to release the life of the Spirit through your words. Jesus, uh, Romans 10.10 says, So the growth of our spiritual life is greatly determined by our use of the tongue. Is your tongue hooked up to the Word of God and the Spirit of God or to your flesh? Romans 10.10, With the heart man believes unto righteousness. So it starts by believing in your heart, you receive in your heart the answer of God, the righteousness of God. But then with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation or to wholeness. You release it from your mouth. Whatever you've got in your heart, you release by the words of your mouth. It's very simple really. And so in James chapter 3, He talks all about the tongue and he says, uh, we'll start in uh, verse two, he says, uh, we all stumble in many things. If no one stumbles in word, he is a perfect man or a mature man, able also to bridle the whole body. So notice a mark of maturity or spiritual growth is your control of the tongue. And, And so that's one measure of growth is how much you control your tongue. It says you're to bridle your tongue. And then it says if you can bridle your tongue, you can actually bridle your whole body. Now that's interesting. That is telling you that the tongue is the control center of the body and of your life. And so by controlling your tongue, you can actually bring your whole life under the power of God. If you will speak the word of God by faith, It actually brings your whole life in line with that, because your tongue carries authority. How do you get married? It's the member of your body that makes that happen is you saying, I do. It's your tongue. And so your tongue is the control point by which you can control the direction of your life. So bringing our tongue under control is absolutely vital. And then he James gives some illustrations of that. He says in verse three, We put bits in the horses' mouths so that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. That's amazing that such a small thing as a little bit and a big horse that's much stronger than than what we are, and yet we can control them that horse by that little bit in its mouth. And and so because the mouth is the control center, you can control the horse just by controlling his mouth, as it were. Uh, and so, the, the, so it is with your life. You might think, well, it's, like, it's out of control. But if you can control your tongue, you can bring your whole life into line with God's word, because God has designed it that way. And then he describes ships. Look at ships, though so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. And, and your life is like a big ship, and it might be off course, and there are winds and pressures blowing on it. Uh, you are the pilot. You have the choice. The pilot is your will. And you can control the ship of your life because you can by controlling the rudder by controlling the tongue. And our tongue, in other words, the rudder, by controlling the tongue and pointing it in the right direction according to God's will, take control of your tongue and speak it according to God's will, you bring your whole life into line with God's will and you can actually turn the ship of your life around into God's will. You could never do it in your own strength, it's too big. But by controlling the tongue, the rudder, you control the whole direction of your life. You bring it on course. And then it talks more about the power of the tongue. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire spark kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Now that's, that's the negative power of the tongue. What it's basically saying is the fire is powerful if you don't control it it can it has the potential and if you don't control your tongue it has the potential to destroy your whole life and it says when it says sets on fire the cause of nature it's talking about the seasons and the cycles of your life in other words you go through seasons of life different stages of life but if you let your tongue loose it can just disrupt that whole thing and your life is is isn't what it what it could be and the the tongue is what destroyed it because you did not control. If you have something powerful like a fire, you need to have it under control. And so it's important that we bring our tongue under control and cause it to speak God's God's Word. It's a quality decision to tame the tongue. And then he talks about taming the tongue in um, verse um, 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison." Now it compares the tongue to a wild beast, and I always say that's why God has put it in a jail. Your teeth are like a jail, and a wild beast is kept under control. In other words, it should only be let out if it's on a leash. In other words, if you're going to open up the jail and let it out, make sure it's under control, otherwise you'll be releasing evil. And so you don't want to allow your tongue to speak death and speak anything contrary to the Word of God. And so no man can tame... You can't tame the tongue on your own. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you control the tongue. And to praying in tongues really helps. And uh, also putting the Word of God on your tongue but um naturally we need God's supernatural help to tame the tongue. And then he brings in a puzzle in uh, in verse 9. He says, "With the tongue we bless our God and with it we curse men made in the image of God." Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Brethren, this ought not to be so. Now there is a strange thing. Just imagine you had a picture um you had a picture of me in in the house and you come up to me and you say, Derek, I bless you, I, I enjoy your teaching, or whatever, but at home, you are desecrating my image on, of my picture, you are cursing it, and you're drawing all kinds of stuff on it. Does it make sense that you would bless me, but curse my image? And, th- and yet, there we are, we're blessing God, and we're cursing people, we're speaking evil of people, who are the image of God. James says that does not make sense. In other words, some of the time you're yielding your tongue to good, some of the time you're yielding to evil. That should not be. And then he says, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Well, normally that doesn't happen, does it? Normally spring water comes out of one and bitter water comes out of a different fountain. But in the case of our tongue, we have one opening, but within us we have two fountains. We have a fresh water fountain, which is the Spirit of God within us, in our spirit, and we also have a bitter water fountain, which is our flesh. We have two fountains. Both those fountains want to come out of the same opening, and you decide which one to yield to. It's kind of like you can have hot water and cold water, but only one tap. You decide which water flows, and sometimes the pressure of that that evil water, that bitter water, wants to come on your tongue. But you can refuse to give it a voice. You can refuse to let that bitter water out. And instead you can start yielding to the sweet water of the Spirit. You can start praising God, for example. You can start speaking His Word. You can start speaking words of love. You can bless rather than curse. It, sh- it should be wrong that sometimes you're speaking from one fountain, others from the other fountain. That, that's not good. We need to consistently speak from the spirit fountain. That way we are drawing water from the wells of salvation all the time. We're bringing up God's life flowing in us. We just confuse our souls. If half the time we're speaking from the flesh and half the time from the spirit, we don't grow. And then he says, can the fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In other words, if you produce nothing good from your flesh, a fig tree represents dead religion. It can't bear olives, which is the fruit of the Spirit. A salt spring cannot produce fresh water. In other words, your flesh is unable to produce anything good. So you must, we must learn to yield our tongue to the life of the Spirit. And uh, that's the key to our blessing. Let God fill your heart with his life, with his word, and then from the good things in your heart, speak good things, and only speak good things, and refuse to speak the negative. And that way, we will actually uh, make steady spiritual progress. Because if you get your tongue right, then the rest of your life, the rest of your actions will start lining up with God's will, and the blessing of God will increase in your life. And then he says, how you we sometimes we can learn to recognize the difference between the sweet water and the bitter water, he says. How can you know that? He says, um, it, one is characterized by bitter envy, self-seeking. He says this wisdom does not come from above but is earthly, sensual, demonic. We've got to learn by the taste of the water whether it's come from the flesh or from the spirit. He says the wisdom from above. This is what it tastes like. It's pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you don't don't have the peace of God in your heart, if what you want to speak is not pure and peaceable and merciful and good fruits, then don't speak it out. Don't give the flesh the dominion over you. Repent from those dead works and put your faith in God and speak out the words of God, the words of the Spirit. And that is a major key to your blessing and to your growth. There's a book that fits perfectly with this series on Christian foundations called Growing Up Spiritually. And this is so important that we know the foundational teachings whereby we can grow spiritually and uh, let me recommend this book it's, uh, it's, it's not very expensive Growing Up Spiritually gives you many of the key teachings in this series and, and others too Thank you for watching You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX37QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books, and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.